Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Paul Douglas back with you. Thank you for tuning in. It's Wednesday. Hope your day is going well. And thank you for your feedback about what you're doing with higher gas prices. We're going to keep that conversation going right up until about six o'clock. And of course, everything is interconnected. We live in an interconnected global society for better or worse. What happens on the other side of the planet many times blows back on our everyday lives. And yeah, we're, we're grappling with inflation. Even before Russia invaded Ukraine, the price for just about everything was going up. Uh, the economy was heating up, more people getting back to work, and, and that had an inflationary impact. And now, with uh, oil prices, in some cases, going up 40, 50, 70 percent in the span of a week or two, there's real doubt about what's going to happen with the economy, with inflation. I wanted to back up a few steps and talk with Dr. Chris Gertz at Bethel University, who hopefully can provide some perspective on why we're seeing what we're seeing in the news right now with Russia invading Ukraine. How have we gotten to this moment in history? Dr. Gertz, welcome. Dr. Gertz, can you hear me now? Uh, yeah, glad to be here, Paul. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, your studies and and your takeaways, because one of the questions I get from people is, well, look, Ukraine used to be a part of the Soviet Union. Why are they at war today? Yeah, I know. And you should really have someone do like medieval history and go back a thousand years. But I'm a 20th century historian. I teach classes at Bethel in World War II and the Cold War. So I thought a lot about this. Um, I mean, I think you have to go back to like World War One. Russia enters that war in 1914. It's run by Russians, but Ukraine is part of that empire. But the war goes so badly that Russia has a revolution in 1917. And by 1922, you get this communist state called the Soviet Union. And Ukraine is part of that, along with Russia and other republics. Um, and a, it's a multinational state, but increasingly Russians dominate it. And over time, it becomes really difficult for Ukrainians. Um, I think a key moment here is in 1932 and 1933, something like 4 million Ukrainians starved to death. It's called the Holodomor. And it's, it's caused by the policies of Joseph Stalin, the Soviet dictator. And it's really unknown in the West, but it really scars Ukraine for decades to come. 
And so when the Soviet Union breaks up in 1991, both Russia, Ukraine, and the other republics go their separate ways and, and start developing separate systems of government, separate economies. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Ukraine has been the separate state ever since, but there's always been a strain of Russian nationalism that doesn't accept this, that never wanted the Tsar's empire to fall, that didn't want the Soviet Union to collapse, and Vladimir Putin's a good example of this. He does not see Ukraine as a separate nation, but as under the the um, Russian thumb. And there's been a minority in the Ukrainian population that's wanted close ties with Russia, but increasingly most Ukrainians see Russia as a threat, and they've wanted closer ties with the European Union, with the United States, with NATO, with the West. Dr. Gertz, I'm curious, is it that Putin can't abide a free and democratic Ukraine right next to Russia? Uh, is it Ukraine he's worried about, or is it the concept of democracy and representative democracy, people voting for the leaders they want, people who want to be free like most Ukrainians. Is that the real threat to Putin's uh, regime at this point? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I think it's probably both. I mean, there's that, uh, in some way, the desire to reconstitute a Russian empire and, and rejecting Ukraine as a nation. But yeah, I mean, Ukraine is a semi-successful post-Soviet experiment in democracy. Um, there's a an organization in New York called Freedom House that does ratings on political and civil liberty and Ukraine scores like 60-something out of 100, right? It's described as partly free. It still has issues with uh, corruption, but Russia is under 20. And that's before some of what we've seen the last three weeks with uh, dissent being suppressed. So I, I would say that is partly what's at stake here. Like, if you're bothered by this, one reason you should be bothered is that sometimes authoritarians can't abide a population that doesn't do what they want. And for some time, Putin has been willing to support pro-Russian politicians in Ukraine. But that's been less successful over time. And so since 2014, he's increasingly leaned on either an invasion or supporting separatist groups in the borderlands. Um, so I, I, I do think that's partly what's at stake here. Can an authoritarian regime abide a democracy that close at hand? Some people, a handful of politicians, a minority, thankfully, make the case, well, how would you think if Canada uh, or Mexico uh, was in a threatening posture and, and had weapons and, you know, if, if our concern was on our next-door neighbors and they make the point, and I don't know if there's any historical accuracy to this, Professor, I hope you'll clear this up, that James Baker back in the late 90s, after Gorbachev said, okay, Germany can be reunified under one condition, that NATO doesn't go one inch farther east. And apparently, and, and you hear different things from different historians, whether or not that really happened. But in Putin's mind, his paranoid view of the world, NATO is not a defensive force defending against a Russian attack. It is an offensive threat. And, and at least that's how... He apparently views the world and views the West and, and doesn't want NATO and, and weapons right up against his border. But he already has that in Latvia and, and other countries in the Baltics. So do you, do you subscribe to any of that as, as a possible rationale for why Putin uh, absolutely does not want 
Ukraine to become a member of NATO. Yeah, I mean, let me go back to where you started with the, the notion of um, a Canada or a Mexico um, seeming like a threat to the United States. I mean, partly what we just need to understand as Americans is we're so accustomed to not having these threats. I mean, right. If we think about our borders, we're thinking about immigration, but we, we live in a society that doesn't have to deal with this. I think that's what makes this all so hard for us to understand is the notion of um, the possibility of a war across borders. I mean, it, if you go back to the 1990s, there's real debate about should NATO continue to exist once the Soviet Union is not there? And if it does, should it expand into the former Soviet zone? And part of the problem is that there are Eastern Europeans and people in like the Baltic Republics who very much want NATO, right? They, they still see Russia as a threat, and they see um, value to being connected to the West. So I, I think that, at least at one point, was a legitimate question to ask. Should NATO exist? Where should its borders be? It's very hard to, for me to think that there's a reason to think that NATO is an offensive threat, right? It, it is a threat in the sense that it uh, is a collective security arrangement to defend against invasion, and so there's a reason that Vladimir Putin is not going to invade Latvia or Lithuania or Poland or Hungary, right? Right. But that's right. not an offensive threat. That, that, that's actually a deterrent against the kind of thing we're seeing in Ukraine, where a, one very large power can invade its smaller neighbors. Professor, last question, and, and this has been very insightful, and, and I appreciate you uh, weighing in with your perspective on this, but... 44 million people in Ukraine. Now it's it's less than that because, what, two, three million people have, have fled the country. Zelensky is still there, as far as we know. My understanding, the Russians have about 150, 170,000 troops. But to, uh, to secure Ukraine over the long haul, an occupation would require many, many hundreds of thousands of troops, capabilities that perhaps Russia doesn't want to commit to Ukraine. How do you see it, what, what kind of an end game, knowing what you do about the history of Ukraine? Do you think Ukraine will be able to hold out and ultimately prevail, that there will be a resistance that the Russians simply can't crush over time? Sure. And I mean, this is this is really beyond my ken. I'm not an expert in Ukrainian politics or even Russia, but like as a historian, one thing that I have thought a lot about is what, what is the purpose of war, right? War is uh, politics by other means, right? There's got to be some political end here. And I guess I assumed when Russia invaded three weeks ago, it was not meant to occupy the entire country, to annex the entirety, um, maybe some of the borderlands, but probably to install a more supportive pro-Russian regime by force. Mm-hmm. And in theory, that's still possible. But I think the degree of not just Ukrainian, but international revulsion at this and the fairly quick economic impact of sanctions and exports being cut off and other sorts of penalties. I mean, it is a good question to ask at this point, what does Putin think he's going to win? Um, you know, Minnesota native Tom Friedman, the New York Times columnist, had a, had a piece up asking what can Putin win out of this? And in some ways that should be really frightening to us um, because he does possess nuclear weapons, right? And yeah, and it's also possible that if the sanctions work as they're intended, it could provoke political change in Russia, which can bring about the downfall of the regime, but 
also produces incredible instability in what's still a very powerful country that has a nuclear arsenal, that has a very large you know, oil and gas supply. That I don't think we've seen the end of the aftershocks of this invasion, unfortunately. Well, I, I wish I had had you as a professor uh, when I was in college because I've, I've really enjoyed the last 10 minutes. Uh, professor of History at Bethel University, Dr. Chris Gertz. Can we have you back on again? So I'd love to. And you can audit any class anytime you want, Paul. <laughs> I would really like that. I would enjoy that. Okay. Thank you, Professor. Appreciate your time today. Sure. Have a good night. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? You spend here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.